Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf show. I'm Ted Odorico and right alongside of course uh, each and every week with me is uh, none other than Legends Tour player and LPJ professional Cindy Miller and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf show. Good morning Cindy. Good morning Ted. Um, another, another, Tuesday, another Tuesday morning here on blogtalkradio.com's Women of Golf and we are always excited to be here with you and sometimes we're a little groggy sometimes we're sharp as a tack and sometimes somewhere in between i don't know what we are today but we'll find out i've uh, got a great show for you today uh we're going to start out with a, another uh, interesting discussion Cindy and i here in just a moment and then we're going to be joined uh actually uh once again by patty uh, butcher who is an uh pj and lpj class a uh teacher professional she's been on the show about a month ago actually and uh, we decided to have her back. We really enjoyed uh, the conversation and wanted to, to sort of continue on. So we're having her back here on the second half of the show. But let me just, uh, Cindy, before we start, let me remind everybody, of course, we are live Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern uh, Standard Time here on blogtalkradio.com. Just go to blogtalkradio.com up in the search key, type women of golf or just add forward slash women of golf, and that will take you there to the main page. And front and center, of course, is the live broadcast on Tuesday mornings. Um, but for some reason, if you can't uh, join us uh, live, not to worry. Just go to that link uh, whenever it's convenient for you and just scroll down to the on-demand section as all of our programs are previously uh, recorded, and you can listen to them in their entirety at your leisure. Or if you missed one of the shows, uh, you can go back and listen to it uh, when it's convenient for you. Uh, it's also available at iTunes.com and Stitcher.com uh, as a podcast. If you go there to either of those uh, platforms, if you prefer, and just, again, type in Women of Golf, and that will take you there as well. Uh, would love to hear from you on the show. You're welcome to call in any Tuesday morning uh, while we're live. The number to do so is area code 347-945-5855. And... Uh, or if you want to reach out by email, my email is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And Cindy's is, of course, cindy at cindymillergolf.com. Um, cindy, one thing I know we, we didn't do the last couple of weeks here, and I want to give you an opportunity because I think it's a great product. Um, if you want to just take a quick moment before we start and just remind everybody uh, how they can get their hot little hands on your Learn to Hit It kit. Yes, great idea. So I created the Learn to Hit a Kit to teach people how to hit a clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. Um, it includes, the most important part of it includes a 10-module online course to teach you how to hit the golf ball clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. But it also comes with um, a portable golf mat, foam Callaway golf balls, my Golf 101 book, a coupon for 10% off any Callaway club, 
and then again the 10 module online course. So the Learn to Hit It kit. So if you go to learntohititkit.com, you can purchase the whole thing for 99.99. So really less than an hour of golf lesson, you're going to get 10 module online course, a mat, practice balls, a book, and a coupon. So it's really kind of a yep. great thing. Even if you're if you know how to play golf and you're just not sure why you keep hitting it fat or topping it or hitting it left or hitting it right. Um, this will answer all those questions. Yeah, and, and the thing I like about it, Cindy, obviously, is it's very well priced, um, but you get a lot of uh, a lot of meat, if you will, in in it. But also for those that maybe um, don't always have time to get to the golf course, they can do this uh, if they're traveling a lot. They can do it in their hotel room, a lot of it, um, and or in their backyard uh, when it's convenient for, convenient for them. So they don't always have to go. Uh, and spend 30 minutes at the golf course, they can just uh, utilize uh, the package right there in, in the comfort of their own home uh, or, like I said, hotel room uh, if they're traveling a lot for business. So it's a great opportunity. And as I said, it's uh, basically for less than the price of most lessons, um, you know, for an hour lesson, they can have this whenever they want to practice with it. So uh, a great, uh, great opportunity and uh, well put together. Thank you. You're welcome, as always. All right, Cindy, um, I wanted to start off with uh, a discussion this week, and this is just sort of a general overview of golf programs. The reason why I picked this is there's a lot of different things that are available to people out there, and we're going to talk about some of them here. We won't necessarily get to all of them, but uh, we're going to touch on a few of them here, and we may even pick up a little bit uh, when uh, when Patty joins us here in about in about 30 minutes' time. But um, the reason why I wanted to do this is, is I, I know that you – uh, do a lot of individual and private lessons, uh, group lessons, that sort of thing, and on courses, as do I. And I thought we would talk a little bit about that, some of the things that people uh, can look for, maybe expect in their lesson, and or what they should be looking for, um, and what their part, if you will, to play uh, if they're wanting to improve their game. So let's start with the, with the individual and private lessons. Obviously, um, Cindy, I know you do this as well as as well as group lessons, but let's talk about the private ones first. Um, what should a, a player do or a prospective student do in preparation to come and take a lesson with you? <clears throat> well, they should investigate me. Um, it, before a person, let's say somebody's out there and they're really trying to improve their game, they need to Google you know, do they want to take lessons locally, regionally, nationally? You know, are they willing to travel? If so, if you're trying to take a golf lesson um, somewhere within an hour of your hometown, you should Google golf instruction, you know, western New York, that's where I am, or northern Florida, or wherever you might be. And then I would look at different people, you know, of is it a man, is it a woman, what are their credentials, have they been to school? Do they know what they're doing? What's their background? And then I would really ask the student, the first thing I ask them is, why are you here? And again, right. you know, that goes back to just a weekly question, you know, what's your why? So why are you here? What are you looking for? Well, you know, I need to hit it. You know, I need to score better. Okay, well, let's define score better. So you really need to stop and think about what your personal goals are. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think you have to have 
um, an understanding of what you want and what your your short-term and your long-term goals, um, the, the answer, as you said, is is why. Why am I here in the first place? I, exactly. Go ahead. Yeah. So once we discover why, I think sometimes um, people have been told so often what they do wrong. So mm-hmm. somebody will come in, well, I need to keep my head down. Okay, do you have trouble getting the ball in the air? Yes. And my husband tells me I have to, or my, you know, boss or whoever tells me I have to keep my head down. Okay, well, let's figure out why the ball isn't going in the air. Again, why? And and I need to stop slicing it. So, again, I keep asking them questions. I make sure that they don't have any physical, you know, limitations. Um, mm-hmm. the question is why, 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 why? And then we try to get to the bottom of it. And, and typically it's not too hard to help them. What, now, what, what do you do, do, Cindy? Um, you know, I essentially do the same thing. Now, as I've mentioned many times on the show before, uh, I primarily focus on corporate golf. But one of the things that I, I try to do is with my uh, corporate people is I want them and what I mean by let me just clarify what I mean by that is I deal a lot with business people um, I don't do a lot of junior golf I do very little junior golf and it was just a, a you know I think everybody should sort of stick with their forte and that's just something that that uh, I've always done but what I try to do is I, I look at what they want to get out of their golf experience um, you know are they just looking to compete uh, in their corporate events uh, are they looking to use it as a business tool uh, and then I want to I, I want to find out what their level is and and what their level of comfort is. Um, some people are very very intimidated uh, out in the golf course, especially if they haven't played very well. And I want to sort of put their mind at ease. So what I'll try to do is uh, again the same as you is I'll try to find out why they're there in the first place. What's their um, their goal, if you will? Are they just wanting to look to improve? If they've somebody that's been maybe playing for a long time um, but just has, has struggled with certain issues. Um, you know, then we'll address those specific issues that they're concerned with. I think one of the things that I try to do, and it's not always easy, um, but I figure the good Lord gave me two ears and one mouth, so I try to listen more than I speak. Um, and I know those of you tuning into the show say, really? You talk a lot, so I find that hard to believe. But, you know, but believe it or not, I do listen very well, and I can actually do both at the same time, believe it or not. But all kidding aside, um, but I, I want to, for them to understand that it doesn't matter if they're a great golfer or not. It's about the experience and it's about uh, rising up to the challenge, especially as a business type. You know, there's great opportunities out in the golf course. I mean, you ask any uh, Fortune 500 executive, um, most of them, if not all of them, in some way, shape or form, have played golf and continue to play golf and understand the value. So I try to do that and I try to get to them to be comfort with where they are comfortable, excuse me, with where they are uh, and not be. And, and one thing I try to do as well, Cindy is, and, and I think a lot of people regardless of whether they're corporate or not fall into this trap. If you're not a very good golfer, don't spend the whole round complaining about how terrible you are because nobody wants to be in a group where somebody's always putting themselves that well I'm a terrible golfer and and making excuses just go out there and do the best that you can and if there's areas that you struggle with then you reach out to somebody like Cindy or myself 
uh, and get help in those areas. Um, and don't always, if it's offered to you, that's one thing, but don't try to solicit while you're out there playing. You're supposed to be out there playing to have fun and enjoying the day. Don't go out there and, and, and make it a playing lesson uh, with your foursome because nobody wants to be in that situation. It's very uncomfortable and uh, it, it kind of takes away from their enjoyment. So that's one thing I try to do. Um, but just to sort of, I guess, more directly answer your question, Cindy, is, you know, I want them, I want them to be able to clearly define and understand where they struggle with, what solutions are available for them, and I try to make that very clear and concise when we, we have our lessons. And I think that for a lot of people that struggle with their game, uh, a lot of them don't understand. They, don't, they, they, they tend to overthink things, overanalyze things, and a lot of times it can be something very, very simple, like you've mentioned many times here in the show. It might be something, a, a matter with the club face. If they're hitting it all over the place, maybe they're not squaring their club face correctly. It may not have anything to do with the golf swing itself. It just may matter that the club face is not square to the ball. So, you know, you have to look at these things. You have to uh, assess these things, and the best place to do that is with them one-on-one. Um, but not everybody's comfortable with that, Cindy. Some people prefer a more group session. Um, when is it right or is it right to get into a group-type session um, if you're a beginning player and if maybe you're somebody that's been there? What, where, what are the circumstances to maybe get into a group uh, session or, or even a clinic? Well, I suggest that people take a private lesson first just so I get to know them and they get to know me. And I say, you know, I, I offer, we offer an intro lesson. It's a half an hour and we do the intro lesson just to get to know each other, to help you improve at least one aspect of your game in 30 minutes, which I know sounds like a lot, but it really is possible. And then I tell them if they like that and they want to continue they can apply that money towards a package. And one of our packages is called the game improvement package. And that package includes private lessons and group lessons. And some people say, well, I don't want to take a group. I said, well, I understand that, but you need to practice what we're teaching you. And I know that you're not going to make time to do that. Most people don't. So the group sessions, I'm here and each person works on what they need to individually while I oversee Mm. them. So that's the program that I most often recommend because people just don't make the time to practice. Then I have other students who are just looking for an inexpensive way to learn how to play golf. And we offer the Mm -hmm. golf ready program, which is 125 bucks for five, one hour group. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I think when it comes to groups, um, that I, I like to caution people about. Some people will go into a group lesson to hide. Um, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but <laughs> they're very uncomfortable. Uh, seriously, I, I mean, this is funny. It's I, I've not worked funny, with, it's true. You know, I, I've worked with many, many corporate uh, types over the years, and it's amazing. You know, I'll get a CEO or somebody will, will reach out and say, you know, there's a, a, we're having a, a corporate outing here in, you know, in a couple of months' time. A number of my staff uh, would really like to, you know, to get together and, and you know, have some, some, uh, some lessons and things like that. And more often than not, they'll kind of group themselves up 
because they think that, well, I can kind of hide and be in the background. What they don't realize is I'm going to bring each of them up. We're going to address what, you know, he or she may be struggling with in front of the group. Now, I don't do this to embarrass people, and I don't do this to make them feel uncomfortable, but I want them to be um, I want them to be aware that if there is a situation, the longer you sort of, you know, sit back and ignore it, the harder it is going to be to overcome it. So um, I, I try to keep the groups very small. I don't go over five when it comes to a group. And usually I try to do about four. And reason being is I want to make sure everybody has equal time. And, and uh, you know, when it starts getting above that, then that's really a clinic in my opinion. Um, it's not saying it's impossible, but my my personal experience, I think when you start getting above five, uh, it, it gets a little bit too uh, awkward to, to be able to really address everybody's needs uh, in, in fairness. Um, but you know as well I do. Pe- listen, let's be honest. People hide in, in group sessions because they're uncomfortable. Um, and there's always the alpha personality that always sort of, you know, wants to jump in with their with their both feet uh, in the group and sort of tries to dominate the, the group sessions. And you know, that's why I try to make sure everybody has uh, equal time and I keep the group small enough. Um, and, and as I said, at clinics, you know, I might uh, obviously do a larger group or something like that. But uh, in group lessons, that's traditionally what I try to do is to give them all equal time and keep the group small enough that they're manageable. I think it, it makes it a little bit easier that way, too. And that also allows them an opportunity if there's some questions that they have for me on specific areas, um, you know, we're not spending an, an hour going through everybody's questions. It, it's more manageable. Um, what about yourself? Um, I do it just a little differently. I make sure that they are all working on their own game. If we're, if everybody seems to have an issue that's standing out and it's more than one yes. person, then I call them together and we go over it. Otherwise, everybody's right. working on their own thing. Yeah. Um, the reason, yeah, the reason why, as I said, you know, the reason why I bring them out is a lot of times um, it's a it's a learning opportunity for the rest of the group. If somebody has a specific issue, then I try to use that as a teaching opportunity for everybody, even though, you know, Bob over here might be a great bunker player. Uh, maybe Sally over here uh, struggles with the bunker. It's an opportunity for everybody to learn from that. And that's essentially why I do that. But I, I'm much like you as well. I try to have everybody work on their own thing. Um, but I, I will use uh, in individual cases as learning opportunities as well. Um, on course, uh, excuse me, on course playing lessons, of course, is something that uh, has become more and more prominent in the golf industry. Um, and I think it's, it's an important component uh, you can learn a lot on the lesson tee, of course, um, but nothing beats actual on-course experience. So, Cindy, talk maybe just a little bit about um, what you do and um, when you're out in the golf course, what you try to accomplish when you take your students out uh, for a playing lesson. Well, it's funny that you say that because I just did one yesterday. And, again, <clears throat> I had a woman student who does not want to take a range lesson at all. And again, part of it is like, okay, who's, who's controlling what here? And so her husband paid a lot of money to just have a nine hole playing lesson with just me and her. So we scheduled it yesterday morning real early and we got to the course and I said, okay, so what, why are you here? You know, again, the same old question. Um, sure. Well, I don't know. I said, well, um, what do you want to do? Well, I think I hit it pretty good. And so it was pretty difficult 
And I thought, okay, she wants to just be on the course. She doesn't want a, a range lesson to hit the ball better. But yet the first question she asked is, why don't I hit it better? And so right. luckily for us, it was a Monday morning and no one was out there. We let two groups go through and we just hit extra shots. Now, I could have said, well, this is not the right situation. We should be on the range, but I didn't do that. So I had to button my lips mm-hmm. and use my best people skills and communicating <laughs> skills. And she ended up being really, really happy. But she hit four or five shots at every ball. So when she got up to a yeah. shot, she hit four or five balls. So she got a lot out of it, and it took three hours, mm-hmm. which was fine. That's the time we had allotted. So she really got a lot out of it. Normally, when we do, we did a, a youth thing on Friday with and a playing lesson. So three were with Alan and three were with me. And again, we started the day. It was like a mini school. We did chipping and putting, and we did some range work, and then we tested it out on the golf course. So yeah. I'm, I like taking them out on the golf course. The problem is they have to shift states from what am I doing with my swing to hit the ball right here. And it's really pretty difficult for the instructor, and it can be very confusing for the students. So you have to help them think more right-brained on the golf course rather than left-brained about their swing. How about you? Yeah, one of the things that I always do, um, I I do really two options. Um, First and foremost, when we talk about a playing lesson uh, or an on-course playing lesson, what I normally do for the first time or two depending on the circumstances is I I max it out for three holes and I'll explain to you why I do that Um, for me to take somebody out for not now I I will do nine holes as well but I work up to that the reason being is I don't want to take somebody out for nine holes if they're really struggling with their game so I'll take them out for three holes and we'll work on on various components for instance um, I try to do it uh, obviously with a, a par four um, and a par three, uh, make sure I have those mixed in and, uh, and work at different options. But what I like to do um, is I, I will take them out to roughly about 150 within, uh, sorry, 100 to 150 yards, and we'll work on approaches to the green. Uh, the reason why I do that, and then, you know, we'll certainly play a full hole at, at some point. But the reason why I do that is a lot of times if people are struggling with areas of the game, to, to go out there and just play nine holes um, takes a lot of their time. They're not always learning, um, especially very, very early on. Now, somebody that's more advanced, um, that maybe is just struggling with one or two areas, um, by all means, I'll certainly do that. But I like to focus on the short and the approach area because a lot of people, you know, they can hit a decent ball off the tee and they can advance themselves down the fairway. But when it gets to their approach to the green, uh, a lot of people really struggle with this. They don't know how to approach the green, where to hit the shot, um, they've got too many thoughts coming in, and if, if there's water or maybe some bunkers surrounding the green, uh, you know, the panic button hits. So I try to, to work on, on a short playing lesson the first couple of times um, just to get them comfortable and familiar with that. But I agree with what you said, Cindy, is I want them on the range first, and then I want to make that transition uh, to the playing lesson. I don't want to just sort of run out there and play, um, and, and especially if they're in – uh, not prepared mentally for that yet because a lot of people get nervous out in the golf course. And so I like to get them to warm up a little bit first, uh, get them hitting some shots. We'll talk about some things and then we'll f- focus on a specific area of the game uh, while we're out there. And then obviously, as I said, if they're more advanced, then I'll, I'll 
certainly go into a nine hole playing lesson, but um, a lot of folks, how much time, Sadina, I'm sure you, a quick question. how much time do you allot for the playing? The three uh, holes. I will map for the three holes. Yeah. It, yeah. Three holes. Uh, max, yes. Maximum. Um, I, I, yeah. Max is an hour and a half and I know it doesn't sound like a lot of time now that's that's the actual three holes because you know and, and it depends I, I will go over up to a maximum of two hours uh, if I feel um, that it's warranted if I feel that there's progress being made but um, this is why I, I like to focus on uh, the approach end of the game very first and foremost uh, with my students because uh, you know, if you're just playing tee to green on the three holes, they're going to go by very quickly um, in, in comparison. And they're really not, in my opinion, learning a lot. I want, them to, I want them to start with what gives them the most trouble. And most people can hit the ball off the tee to some degree, whether it's 150 yards, whether it's 250 yards. Um, they may not always be straight. But those are things I'm not going to work on, obviously, on the golf course. Those are things that we work on the practice tee. But when I get out on the golf course, I want them to work on realistic shots. So I'll, for, uh, as an example, I might uh, give them a downhill side hill lie, and I'll make them hit, you know, three or four shots as you do, uh, or allow them to do that off of that lie because I want them to experience that. Because as you know, Cindy, they're not going to get a perfectly flat lie every single time. Right. And so they need, yeah, they need to be familiar with some of the challenges that they're going to be faced out there. Um, Sometimes it may not go that long. It just depends really on the suit. But usually, uh, on average, I would say an hour and a half is plenty of time. That gives enough time for them to complete the three holes uh, with, um, you know, giving them options to, to ask some questions and to get some good feedback, if you will, uh, but also to try some different scenarios out there. And I'll throw a few balls into the bunker. I'll even step on a few balls and give them a good plug lie. I want them to have the full experience when they go out there because I think that a lot of players – um, that do, do get out in a playing lesson um, need to have that experience. They need to know what they're going to be faced with out there because otherwise it's pointless. Just my thought. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to – the junior golf, uh, um, we'll, we'll touch on this one, and then I know uh, – I imagine that Patty is going to be joining us here uh, momentarily, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of keep uh, tuned to that. As I stated a few moments ago, I don't spend a lot of time. I'm a very big supporter of it, uh, but junior golf is not my forte, and I'm a firm believer that you uh, should focus on the areas that you have the most expertise in. So junior golf, I'm a little bit of a novice when it comes to. I know that you do a lot of junior golf uh, as well as uh, your regular. Um, talk a little bit about that. What should parents be looking for, um, and what should they, should, should they do uh, if they're there, present at the lesson, and what shouldn't they do? Mm, that's a big one. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Well, again, I think you have to sit down and make a little, you know, ask some questions and say, why are you here? What are you looking for? And what are your expectations? And what are the child's expectations? What are the parent's expectations? Because um, I don't think parents understand or kids understand the work involved that it takes to get really good at this game and how you need to fail your way forward. And so, again, you're opening up a can of worms here. Um, 
it's, you really, really, really have to have a great relationship with the parents and the students. And sometimes you're saving lives of kids. So, I, you know, you just want to have fun. You can, you know, train them to play and then learn to play and then learn to compete and then learn, you know, compete. And what level are you looking for? And what commitment are you looking for? And how much time do you want to invest? I have a dad who sent me a, a picture the other day, a text picture that his son came in third in the tournament. He goes, not bad for somebody who plays, you know, once a week. And you're right. That's not bad right. for somebody who plays once a week, which baseball is his number one sport. So, again, mm-hmm. what are the expectations and what are you looking for? And that's key. the number one key component to be able to create a program for a child. Yeah, and, and as I said, um, you know, I'm kind of uh, recusing myself on that because I, I don't spend, um, in fact, very little time. If, if, if um, an adult that I'm teaching wants to have their, their child or somebody join us in a session, if they're interested in learning, I'll certainly do that. But I don't do one-on-one uh, or in group settings with, with junior golfers just because that's not where, where my forte is. And I, I just feel that there are so many other great uh, professionals out there that uh, do specialize or – uh, have a lot of skill in that area. Um, so, you know, I try to defer them to that uh, individual to, to do it. But, um, you know, there, there's so many really opportunities to learn and, and something that I've done, and I know this is probably taboo for some people, um, but as a professional, you know, I, I recognize that the student's time is very valuable. So I try to make the most of that time but I also make them very aware that my time is valuable as well. And one thing that I will not do, and I, in fact, and I'm the reason why I'm throwing this out there, uh, Cindy, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to have to do this or not. Uh, but I've actually canceled a lesson on somebody if I feel they're not bringing their, uh, best, uh, efforts, uh, to it. I don't want to waste my time trying to teach somebody something. In fact, this happened about two weeks ago. I had a gentleman who's been coming to me with me and it became very, very apparent um, that in between lessons that they're, they're not, um, they're not working on anything. They're not doing anything. And I basically just said, look, when you're ready to, to make that commitment, you know, I'm here. Um, but otherwise, you know, there's too many other people out there that want to work hard on their game and that want to improve. Um, and if, until you're ready to do that, I, I just, it, it just, it's, it's fruitless. Um, have you ever had to do that yourself? Um, Yes and no. Um, again, people choose to come to us. So yeah. it's not like school where they have to be there. And it's funny right. that you say that because I'm doing a program with my nonprofit um, corporation. And I said, you know, I really need to identify the students who really want to learn. And the man from the Big Brothers and Sisters said, yeah, they got to take a step forward towards you. And I go, yeah, that's exa- otherwise I don't need to sit here and preach to you because don't waste my time or yours. And I totally agree with your value. Um, yeah. And so I've told parents, look, they don't really like golf. Don't make them come here. Yeah. So well, I've done that, and, and kids have stopped coming, and that's okay with me because – I don't need to babysit. Um, grown-ups, not so much. I just say, you know what, don't come back until you practice two or three times. And that might be a year from now. Right. It's okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, this particular individual is kind of a unique situation, and I won't get into to all the specifics because uh, I see that Patty's ready, so, so I want to bring her on and give her, um, you know, opportunity to uh, to join the discussion. But I, I just feel that if it's very apparent that uh, a student is not, you know, putting any effort into uh, practice or work on some of the things that that we've been talking about then they're really not interested in improving. And, you know, I, I feel part of me feels guilty. I don't want to just take somebody's money. Um, but at the same time, I just feel that there are a lot of other individuals out there that really do want to uh, put in some effort. And I understand people's time is, is um, you know, very taxing right now, and it's difficult sometimes to get away. But that's why, you know, you come up with something great like the Learn It to Hit It kit so that people can have an opportunity. Now, I'd rather them do something like that and, and work on it at home if they can't always get out to the range. But don't just, you know, come up here and take a lesson and then never, you know, touch a golf club for the next week or two weeks or whatever it is uh, and then expect to, to see improvement because then it, it's a, you know, a negative reflection. All right. Um, <clears throat> on to a positive note, uh, we got a great guest uh, that's joined us again this week. Uh, she was on about a month ago, uh, Patty Butcher. Uh, she's a PJ and LPJ Class A professional. Uh, she has been in this uh, industry uh, for over 30 years, she actually played for over 45 years uh, in the industry competitively. Uh, she's had the privilege of serving uh, many fine facilities and being mentored by top uh, professionals, including assistant professional at, uh, to Craig Harmon at the Oak Hill Country Club. Uh, she also served as the director of instruction for the Meadows at the Grand Valley State University uh, for seven years, uh, including its opening in 1992. And additionally, she has served on the NCAA Golf Championship Committee and began uh, which has now begun the long tradition of hosting the uh, NCAA uh, National Championships at the Meadows. Uh, she's taught uh, many, many champions uh, on the NCAA uh, National Champions and also eight high school state champions. And uh, she was also ranked by Golf Digest among 50 best women teachers in America. So, Cindy, let's welcome back uh, Patty Butcher. Good morning. Good morning to you. It's so lovely to be back on. How's everybody doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. Okay, so if you do you want to talk about the amazing uh, Jordan Spieth and what he showed us yeah, in the end wow. of that? You know, when you talk about resilience and you talk about kids and you talk about learning golf. So I've asked each of my clients that I saw, like, what did you see? You know, and they all had different answers. But what I wanted them to see was how he never attached to his bad play and became emotional mm-hmm. about it. And, you know, that is so hard to do. And so few can do it. And yet, uh, what, a, what an amazing display of, you know, managing himself. Right. And when he... Yeah, right? I mean, his golf ball was kind of going everywhere there, there for a while. And, you know, who wouldn't have who wouldn't have not trusted themselves? You know, it didn't ever look like he was sweating his swing. He just kept moving. And so it just was an awesome display of self-mastery. And that's what I hope all my students get. And I just... I love sharing that with, with with people, that it was mindset before. He was not worried about his swing, you know, and, and, and therefore but he didn't lose it. flip of the switch? So I believe there was a flip of the switch. What do you believe? Well, you know, you I and I probably he think. he went from protect to pursue. Yeah, I believe that too. And I think he made a deal with himself when he made that uh, putt for bogey on 13 that he thought, 
okay, I can do this, come on. And that then he relaxed into it, and and I'm with you. I you know that you said it better than I could, but he went from protect to pursue. He he's a better hunter than he is a uh, garter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and, and I yeah I, I agree with with both of you on that. I think one thing too that uh, a, a player at that level um, has that you know over many of the amateurs out there is they have an ability to recall. Um, They can recall from, from past experiences, positive experiences, of course, and say, you know, here he is. He's, he's been a master's champion. Uh, He knows what the pressures are under a major championship uh, format. And he's able to recall um, the skills and the level of play needed in order to get the job done. And he knows that there's going to be some slips and bumps and dips along the way. And you're both right. He flicked that switch and decided, okay, if I'm going to walk away with this cup, then I need to get into a different mindset here. And as you said, Cindy, uh, he, he's flipped from protect to pursue. And uh, he did it very, very well. And, and that's why he ended up holding up the uh, uh, the jug at the end of the, the round. So, um, you know, this is something that I think really separates the professionals from the man, uh, from the amateurs is their ability to um, be able to go into their mindset and get into a frame of mind um, and, and change it uh, at will. And he did it very, very well. And, and it's going to be interesting to see what he does as, as the future holds. I think he's got a very long, promising career. Um, Patty, I wanted to ask you, to, just to start things off, what do you think gives, um, speaking of our amateur students out there, what gives most students uh, anxiety on the golf course and what do you try to do to help them overcome it? Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that a great question? I, I, um, <laughs> I think besides everything, besides yeah. everything, <laughs> that's why I did the, Hmm. So I could think about it for a second. Um, you know, I've had a privilege of really, um, getting to know my students and I do an awful lot of playing lessons and um, with kids, boys and girls and most women and some men, I would say um, the thought that they might embarrass themselves um, or the fear of that um, is what I hear often when they get down to, so, so what are you afraid of? You know? And, um, and that what I do to help that, that voice is to say, now, if you're playing with somebody and they're struggling, do you think, oh my gosh, they must be a bank robber and help them understand that, um, you know, they, for the most part, that's not how they do their life. You know, most people aren't that judgmental. So it's so ironic to me that, um, that, that that's what they're mostly worried about is just doing so poorly that it's going to embarrass them. And what that, what that is, is, is at all different skill levels, you know? And I think that happens every time, that we see a golfer stretch. So they go from being comfortable at their home to being comfortable in their town to being comfortable in their state, playing some lower level Nash. 
So, you know, every time they go for the stretch, meaning this is the next place I haven't been, um, they kind of get have to walk through it all over again. And um, so I really believe, though, in mindfulness and, you know, making sure that they can control their breath and their thoughts in between. And it's hard. And I also tell them that, and I take quotes, like, from magazines of the best players saying, you know, the top players in the world, we have self-doubt too. We just don't listen to it. And so to tell them they're not alone in it, and I remind them they're not alone in it. And um, and then the final thing I do sometimes when it's um, kind of chronic, I'd say, you know, I'd make them talk to me out loud while they play a few holes about what they'd be saying to themselves. And then at at the end of those three holes, I'd say, who in your life spoke to you that way? And usually yeah. it's a parent. And usually, so I say, could could you forgive them for talking to you that way? And, you know, we kind of do a forgiveness exercise. And then ask, you know, hey, let's be kind. And can you forgive yourself for talking to yourself that way? And because I think... Um, it's really a big, it's all big, you know, it's little, it's golf. It doesn't matter in Iota, but it represents things that matter a lot because we get to hear ourselves talk to ourselves. And that's what I like yeah, about self- golf is it, re- it reveals our story. Yeah. Story self-talk is, is, yeah, is extremely important. And it's amazing. You know, Cindy, you, you laughed a few weeks ago when I said this comment, you know, about going to the airport and people dragging 100 bags. Um, but it's true. Everybody brings, a lot of people bring their baggage to the golf course. Uh, everything that's happened, you know, for the last 30 years, um, they're bringing to the golf course with them. What somebody said to them, um, you know, how somebody treated them or reacted to them, all these fears and anxieties sort of creep up and they follow around. So they're not just carrying their golf bag, they're carrying the bags of anxiety with them along the golf course. And self-talk, Cindy, as I'm, I'm sure that you work with your students on this as well, is extremely important what you say to yourself. And I can guarantee you, uh, Patty, as you just pointed out, the professionals um, have a different way of approaching this than obviously our amateurs. So, Cindy, what, um, what do you try to do as well uh, in that area with, with some of your students? Well, it all starts with awareness. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. they don't think they're even aware of what they're doing mm-hmm. or saying to it themselves. Um, I don't. I think they're thinking future and past, and they're never paying attention to the present. And I think, you know, that's imperative. You need to forget the past. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Sneeze. Um, and you can't control the future. You can only, you know, pay mm-hmm. attention to the present. So that being said, you know, what am I doing right here and now? And and that's the display that Jordan showed all of us is that no mm-hmm. one is perfect and you can screw up, but you can choose to shift states. And what yeah. a shift it was. And, and, and what a gentleman. And Matt Kuchar, yeah. God bless him, just sat there yeah. and was a victim yeah. and watched it. I mean, yeah, he played great too. So, so again, well, and, and you know, many making students aware of that and understanding, helping them to understand that it doesn't matter how good you are, the lessons never stop. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and and 
uh, yeah, kudos to Matt Kutcher as well. I mean, how many players have been in his position before? Um, and, you know, he, he as always handles himself like a true professional. I think the other factor, too, that, that a lot of professionals have certainly, I won't say mastered, but have certainly uh, have a, a greater advantage over many of our amateur students out there that we work with is they've developed a level of confidence um, you know, I, I can guarantee you that Jordan wasn't thinking, you know, during that stretch that, well, gosh, I hope I don't shank this, or I hope I don't hit a big old slice, uh, you know, over in the trees. Um, those thoughts aren't creeping into his mind because he's confident in his ball striking abilities. So this is something that again, comes to this baggage that if a student is, is struggling with per- certain areas of their game, they're bringing that anxiety and that baggage with them on the golf course. So when they get into a difficult situation, the first thing they're doing is they're running, you know, half a dozen scenarios through their head of what terrible thing is going to happen instead of focusing on the specific task at hand. So they're thinking, you know, three holes back or the last hole, if it wasn't a a pleasurable one, they're thinking about that. So Patty, um, that's something too, that we try to get students to do uh, as well is not, take that anxiety of maybe not hitting the perfect shot every time uh, with them around the course. So uh, is there anything that you try to do with your students that help them um, say, Hey, you know, it's okay if I don't hit a great shot, I'm going to move on. What, what, uh, what can you suggest for some of the students out there that might be listening? Yeah. So I always ask my students to uh, suspend judgment while they're holding their finish. Um, If I can get them to, suspend judgment for just a few seconds because their mm-hmm. natural thing and what they're trained to do is what did I do wrong there? That's what our culture has done to them, you know? And so if I can just get them mm-hmm. to hold the finish, say out loud where their ball went, or even, you know, I have them practice it out loud, but in their mind say, okay, it's, you know, fairway 120, meaning they just topped it. It only went 50 yards, but rather than react to the shot, they can state where the ball went in their mind. So that everything to de-escalate the emotion I do. And then I say grade to play. So that most of your clients are looking, I, I tell my clients over and over, you expect more perfect than any, any tour player. And, you know, I'll start using, mm-hmm. using Jordan as the example of that. That, you know, mm-hmm. if you hit a ball that's a, you can play it again, it's an eight or a 7 out of 10, that's awesome. You need to celebrate. So um, I get them, you know, so I try to get them off their golf swing and into the playability because, uh, you know, you don't have to be perfect to be, to be, have fun and be good. So um, I think that the chat that, that most of my amateurs, they wonder if I've done it once, why do I not do it every time? So of course, like Dylan and PSA, I, I try to explain to them that, that that's a crock that they've been sold, that golf isn't consistent, and you're not going to do your best one but one one in 10 or 15 times. So the important thing is that you do a lot of your shots pretty well, not perfect. And so getting yeah. them off to perfect. So I always tell them, okay, grade your play, meaning how could, is that, can you play that, can you play that shot versus, I don't want them there. I'm untraining that instinct to think about their golf swing. What did I do wrong there? I came out of it. 
you know, what blah, 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 you know, t- talking to themselves about their technique is, is, is horrible for their golf game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, Ben Hogan talked about, um, Cindy and, and Patty uh, about really handling your misses. Um, he didn't focus on his perfect shots because he knew that there were only maybe a couple of, of what he would classify perfect shots in any round, as you just pointed out, Patty. Um, but it was how you handled the misses um, that really made or break, uh, broke a round. And I, I think you're, you know, what you said, Patty, is, is extremely important. Um, what, you just, what you just spoke of is a, a lot of people are, are more um, focusing on their technique and making sure everything you know, is perfect and looks good and, and you know, the, the perfect reaction to that club face hitting the ball, and it's just not going to happen every single time. And even the professionals uh, struggle with that. We don't see it all the time because uh, through the, That's not the miracle show, of television yeah. and et- right and, and editing, you know, they're not going to show. They might show a few just to make it interesting, but, you know, we're not seeing all the bad shots that might go on out in the golf course when we're watching it on TV. Um, but, you know, another area of, of the game as well, and, and I think that we need to touch on this uh, a little bit, is is being properly fitted um, for equipment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Patty, I'm going to ask you this question here, and then, and then Cindy, um, we can sort of uh, join in on this. But um, how do you know if your clubs uh, are not fitted for you? Um, how does a player know? I mean, a lot of amateurs that maybe are fairly new to the game, how do they know that that set of clubs that they're playing with uh, is maybe not best match for them? What, what, what can we do to, to give them some tips to, to look for? Well, if you're a woman and the, your husband picked them out, I can guarantee they don't fit. Um, <laughs> we see that all the time. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, you, that's not, I'd say 50%. I see that in my, um, yeah. you know, in my newer golfers. Uh, and if you're a woman and you walk into a place to buy golf clubs and they take you right to the women's section, you're probably not fitted well. If you're a man that hits your driver uh, over 250 yards, you're probably not fitted correctly unless you've been fitted with a track man. If you are somebody that ha- that has a lot of tailoring when you buy a new suit, or a new dress. If you're somebody who has to either have your pants shortened or a long jacket or a short jacket, um, you probably need to have your golf club fitted, um, meaning your legs are shorter than your torso or your torso mm-hmm. short. You know, so I, you know, I think, and and then the other thing is, um, uh, I think uh, if you are somebody who um, wears a a small or medium or an extra large golf glove, and you're using standard grips, your equipment probably doesn't fit. So it's very funny in right. our business. We have, we have all kinds of things that we, we know are not standard, shoe sizes, glove sizes, but we kind of do the one-size-fits-all. And so those are kind of my thoughts. On, um, and I would say uh, if you're playing technology that's older than seven years old, you're not fitted correctly anymore. We've learned right. so much in the last seven or eight years. It's it's amazing. So you know, and I Cindy, think the uh, most under the underfitted things would be length of shaft, grip, um, lie. I'd, I mean, I'd love to hear what Cindy says. Shaft. Yeah, flex and and that also plays. And yeah, Cindy, you know that that's a great point. You know, a lot of um, 
you know, a lot of women might get some hand-me-down clubs from their husband or, or he helps her pick out the set because he thinks it's uh, what she needs. Um, and, you know, men have the same issue as well. They, they go purely on the looks of the equipment and it may not necessarily be fitted uh, for them. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the also the other thing is that when the woman walks into a sporting goods store and the man salesman just hands her a set of ladies' clubs and she's five foot eight and mm-hmm. she never gets fitted, so I say, you know, you need to take these back and say, Cindy Miller said, and the guy will roll mm-hmm. his eyes and and then I say, well, why didn't you fit her? You know, she won't have you to return them. You and I we do the her. same thing. Uh, I say, I hope you haven't hit them yet. And they, right? yeah. Right, and they hand her a box. Oh, I just got you aren't they pretty? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's um, so important. I, it's so important. It's like you're not trying to sell them clubs. You're trying to give them the best equipment so that they can play, you know, to their ability. So. Right. And I'm right, exactly. you that you know and I always tell them, would you run a marathon with shoes that were two sizes too small or too big? What would your feet feel like? <laughs> That's yeah, that's a great point. You know, I, I think what a lot of it, you know, I think what a lot of it is, um, I, I think people uh, assume that because they don't play very well, especially new golfers. Well, I don't need to go to all that trouble. Um, you know, I don't need to, to to go all through the, you know, the I can just play with the set here and and you know maybe if I get better. Um, you know, then I can think about getting a, a, a custom fit set of clubs. And I, I think they misunderstand the purpose of being fitted properly. It's not, um, it, it's about making sure that the equipment you're using is matching your body type and your body style, your swing speed, that sort of thing. One of the biggest things that I see, um, and I'm sure you ladies have probably experienced it as well, uh, and I'm, was why I mentioned it was with the shafts, um, I see a lot of men, and I'm going to pick on the guys here um, that are playing too stiff of a shaft for their ability. And um, especially as they get older, they start getting, you know, seniors, maybe they played it when they were in their twenties or thirties and now they're up in their sixties and they're still playing that same shaft and can't figure out why the ball's going all over the place. Um, and it's because that they're, they're not able to generate enough club head speed for the shaft that they're using in that club, especially their drivers. Um, so, you know, that's something that has to be addressed as well. Um, you have to change. And Patty, you pointed out, you know, if you're playing a set of clubs um, that are, you know, older than seven, eight years old, um, it's, it's time to, uh, you know, maybe to, to update and take a look and make sure that uh, the equipment uh, is still fitted uh, to your abilities as you are now, because we change as time goes on. Correct. You bet. And I think either, you know, our bodies age and, uh, or we get better or we get stronger, we get weaker. I mean, you're absolutely right. So, um, you know, I think those are having a review of that is always, is always good. But I, I, I tell my new golfers that say, Oh, I'll see if I like it. I'll say, well, you're going to hate it with those clubs. I mean, they bring me the, you know, Nancy bird, you know, Nancy Lopez blades from the seventies. And I say to them, I can't hit that club. I said, so yep. I'm pretty sure you're, if, if you're going to try and see if you like golf with those clubs, you're pretty much going to hate it. So you should really, you know, here, try this one or, you know, um, you know, I'm fortunate I have access to clubs in the, and they cannot believe how much difference it makes. And I say, you don't mm-hmm. have to spend a lot of money. There are some really good, 
inexpensive sets if you get them the right kind of size for people. So I, yeah. I, I think it's really, for me, it's all about getting them to, to love the game and have more success. And, you know, I changed a 70-year-old guy who was going to quit the game to, a, you know, just like you said, Ted, a softer shaft, more loft. He loves golf again, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So it's really important. Yeah, it's amazing how many people have shied away from the game because their equipment no longer fits their their ability and they get frustrated and maybe they'll go and take a lesson uh you know here or there hoping to to recapture some of that and it's not effective and a lot of times it may be something uh, as simple as an adjustment with their equipment maybe they need a new shaft in the driver that's going to better suit and you're right you know they'll have that done and it's all of a sudden wow you know now I'm hitting the ball great again and and that sort of rekindles that fire and passion uh in that player so um you know, it doesn't always necessarily need to, to be a great investment um, every time. It just may be a few uh, minor tweaks and and um, adjustments here and there, and, and you're good as, as new again for, for a little while. So um, very important to do that. Lastly, just uh, we're getting real close to our time here, Patty, unfortunately, but um, change to the game. Um, what would you like to see next? Is there anything that you'd like to see um, or maybe not necessarily changes, but you'd like to see happen in the golf uh, golfing world in the next uh, year or two or, or beyond? Whoa. If I had a crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I meant to my – Cindy and I, you know, we are, we are people who assist in the journey – so I'd sort of like the message about golf to shift from everybody can do it to get a partner in the journey and see how much fun you can have. I, there's just a part of me that knows that we're not by this whole it's easy and you should do it and trying to make it easier is so misleading mm-hmm. instead of saying this game is really hard, but you know what? It's fun along the way. And here's how we can help you enjoy it and have a lot more programs geared toward that i'd love to see i'd love to see the pga stop naming the teacher of the year as somebody who teaches tour players but people who successfully introduce people to the game of golf (laughs) i I think that would be an easy change i think every you know having all the teaching seminar be summit be about new golfers and kids would be amazing. So I think, you know, you get what you measure, and they say they want one thing, and then they measure it completely different. So there's my two cents on how I'd make an immediate change right now. Well, you're – yeah, we're we're in. We're joining you, Patty. I, I agree wholeheartedly, and, and that's certainly not meant uh, – we mean no disrespect for the teachers that have worked hard to, to accomplish that, oh, no, but no, I agree. All, all of our friends have yeah. done them. Oh, we – Cindy and I right, have a exactly. lot of friends that are very worthy, but it isn't that isn't right. giving the PGA or golf what they want. You know, right. which is more golfers. No, I, right, I, I agree. If you truly want to grow the game, then you need to 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 look at the whole picture and not just one aspect of it. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, Patty, uh, as always, it was a pleasure having you join us again uh, this Tuesday morning, and we're going to have you back again. And and uh, lots of, I mean, there's a, a discussion that you can never truly end because there's just so many great things to talk about but um for those that uh, did tune in this morning and, and maybe missed you the last time how can uh, the folks that want to reach out to you how can they go about doing that 
Yes, I'm at www.pattybutchergolf.com. Perfect. Thank you. So go visit thanks, Patty's. Thanks. Thanks for everything you do for our game. Both of well, you. Well, we thank you. We thank you as well, and and we're trying to do our little part in our little corner of the world, and just to to bring great instructors and great uh, enthusiastic people like yourself, Patty, to the show, and and just. Um, it is truly a great game. It can be challenging and difficult at times, but that's what really makes it fun. Uh, if it was too easy all the time, people would get bored and, and leave. So I think that's what brings you back uh, is just the fact that it is a challenging game and uh, it, it, it challenges you really to bring the, the best of you out. So um, thank you for all that you do and thank you for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. Thank you so much and enjoy enjoy your day and thanks to your listeners. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. All right, that was a very special guest, uh, Patty Butcher. Uh, again, go to uh, www.pattybutcher.golf.com excuse me, uh, to learn more about her and some of the great things that she's doing um, around this uh, game that we enjoy so much. And Sydney and I want to thank you, the listeners, for faithfully tuning in each and every uh, week. We certainly enjoy bringing uh, a number of great uh, professionals and entrepreneurs uh, to the show and and sharing uh, what we both love to do. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, here on the Women of Golf, Sydney and I, with uh, another great guest uh, and some more great discussion. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Cindy. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.